Alright, so today we'll be continuing our series on Jesus the One and Only. And if you have been following along in our booklet, uh, you'll find out, you'll know that today we're talking about Jesus as the light. And, uh, previous weeks, Pastor Tom talked about, uh, Jesus, the name of Jesus, um, Jesus being the way, and last week, Jesus being the, the way, the truth, and today we're talking about the life. So, uh, let's all read the passage today. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to t- uh, 34. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. Uh, it's found in your Pew Bibles on page 961. So, just invite you to follow along with me. called the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll think to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with those who store up things for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all its splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that we're able to understand your truth. Today, Father, we just ask that you open up our ears in our hearts, in our eyes, so we can see the truth that you have to reveal to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What are you living for in life? Um, recently I saw online this article. It's called um, The Top 5 Regrets That People Have on the Deathbeds. When I first saw this article, I think I saw it on Facebook. How many of you have seen that article floating around online? 
couple of years. Um, so that's, when I first saw it, I thought it was some sort of like ghost story or some sort of spam message or anything like that. But for some reason, I read a little bit of description and I became hooked to it. Um, what this article is about is it's written by a palliative nurse, a nurse who cares for people who are towards the end of their lives, the people who are dying. And these patients were often asked certain questions. And when these questions were asked, certain things repeated over and over again. Certain answers came up. Um, so the questions that they asked were, were there anything that you regretted in life? Was there anything that you would have done differently in life? So certain answers started repeating from different patients over and over again. I'd like to share with you uh, the top five that came about. So first one is, I wish I had the courage to live a true life to myself, not the life others expected of me. So the article goes on to explain that so many of the patient's dreams have gone unfulfilled and then to die knowing it was because of the choices they had made or not made. The second regret of the people who are dying on the deathbeds, they said, I wish I didn't work so hard. Many wish that they had spent more time with their children, with their family, and with their partners, with their friends, and they regretted spending too much time at work. Work essentially dominated their entire life. The next one, the next regret was, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Marco explains, some people would often suppress many of their own feelings in order to keep peace. Or maybe they never even had the courage to speak out what they were really thinking and feeling. The fourth one, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Now, people often don't realize the full benefits of old friendships until their dying weeks. Many have become so caught up in their own lives and their busyness that they have let some important friendships slip by over the years. And the last one, the last regret, is I wish that I let myself be happier. Now many did not realize that happiness is a choice until it's too late. So many have remained stuck in their old patterns and habits for so many years and have not been able to let go and to learn to smile again. So after reading this article, as nice as they are as reminders, I realized that there's something deeper to all these answers. No, it offers us a glimpse into the person's life. And it allows us to see how they lived it and see what they lived it for. Some people most of their life, in entire their life, they spent trying to fulfill the expectations of others. And for some other people, they instead of working to live, they lived to work. And for some others, they lived their lives trapped in worry, in fear, and uncertainty. Different people live for different things. So now let me ask you today, if the doctor came up to you and told you that you only have one month left to live, how would you go about living your life differently? Perhaps you wouldn't worry as much about your exams, about your grades, about your applications to universities. Perhaps you wouldn't worry as much about looking for a higher paying job or paying off your mortgage or your investments. Perhaps you wouldn't worry as much about your stocks or RSPs or RESPs or whatever you have in your bank. 
Instead, it seems that there's something about death or the imminence of it that brings about a new perspective to life. Perhaps it shocks us out of our comfort coma and opens our eyes to the reality of life and the shortness of it. See, at the end, what matters the most in life seems to become a lot more clear. And perhaps I can even shed some insight into how we should live today. So let's dig deeper into the passage today. Um, in today's Bible passage, we find that while Jesus, he was teaching to thousands of people, it was a big crowd, he was teaching on many deep and holy subjects. And all of a sudden, there's a man who jumps in out of the crowd, interrupts Jesus and says, Teacher, tell my brother to defy the inheritance with me. So if we look into this one statement that this man says, Teacher, tell my brother to defy the inheritance with me, there are a couple things that are revealed to us. So first thing is that the father of this man had just died recently. And the family inheritance was to be shared amongst all the sons, between him and his brother. Now for some untold reason, he feels that he didn't get enough of inheritance for the families. And he asked Jesus to step in to be the arbitrator. And usually people would come in to ask a rabbi or, or people like that to make these decisions. But Jesus says, no, why are you coming to me for this? I'm not your judge. At this point it's important because it sets up the parable that Jesus tells us later on. The second thing that the statement reveals to us is that the request that this man makes, the request for more inheritance, reveals to Jesus that the man's heart is full of greed. You see, Jesus, like I said, had just been teaching on some of the deepest and holiest subjects just in the earlier chapters. But the man, without showing any signs that he had even been paying any attention, interrupts Jesus and asks him to deal with such a worldly and materialistic matter and all of his desire to obtain more wealth. So Jesus then warns him quickly in verse 15, Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, no matter how much we chase after the material things of this world, none of it can ever give us the meaning and the satisfaction to life. And above all, none of it can give us eternal life. So then Jesus then goes on to further explain all of this by telling us and the man the parable of the rich fool which is only found in the book of Luke. So he starts off by telling us about a man who is rich already. He already has a lot of resources, a lot of wealth. And all of a sudden, because of a good harvest, he got a lot of crops. And he became even richer. He became so rich, he had so much harvest, that he didn't even know what to do with it. And this is the first 17, the turning point of the story, where this rich man reasons and thinks to himself, what should I do with all these crops? What should I do with all this newfound wealth? In verse 18, that's when we find out what he decides to do with it. He decides to tear down his old barns and rebuild even bigger ones, so then he'll have more space. Sounds like a good plan, right? And then verse 17, 19, I just want to highlight one thing in these verses. That's the number of times that the rich man here, the rich farmer, uses the words, I and my. The words I and my. 
So let me read it over again. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, all the time that this man talks about I and my things, my barn, my crops, my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, what does reveal to us is that this man does not have and does not hold on to the Christian perspective that all possessions we have are lent to us by God and that ultimately nothing belongs to us and everything belongs to God. See, instead of being a good steward of his wealth and sharing it with the poor, he decides to store it up for himself so that he will have a more secure and comfortable future. And as the rich man says in verse 19, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grains later for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus then ends a parable with an awakening message. See, after the rich man has finished planning for his own future and secure his wealth and his plans, God tells him that, you know what? You're actually going to die tonight. Your life ends tonight. Which means all the wealth that the rich man stored up for himself at the end will not be used at all. Which means that all his plans for comfort and security in the future will end up as nothing. Well, it's important to note here that there's nothing wrong with planning and saving up for the future or owning any worldly possessions. But it becomes a problem and perhaps even a sin when it consumes the entirety of our life and purpose here on earth. See, instead of using what we have on earth to serve and worship God, the farmer serves and worship his wealth. The farmer lives for his wealth. So let me ask you today, what do you live for in life? How do you define your life? Is it defined by your career, your work? Is it defined by your wealth and how much money you have in your bank? Is it defined by your physical ability or your skills or your talents? How fast you can run, how well you can play instruments, your, your abilities, your talents? Is it defined by the house that you live in or the type of car that you drive? Now let me ask you, what happens when one or more of these things are stripped away from you, are taken away from you? What happens when the stock market crashes? What happens when you become sick, when you have a disease, and it takes away one of your physical abilities, your talents? You see, we can't put our security into all these worldly possessions and temporary things. It changes so fast that we will lose it all one day. I'd like to further illustrate this parable and the message of today by showing you this illustration that I've seen before. And I think it just captures everything in a very easy way to understand. So I have here a rope. And I want to imagine um, for me for a second that this rope actually goes on forever. That it is that goes on for an eternity, alright? So it just goes around, it's really long. Um, imagine it's so long that this rope 
goes around the entire world a million times and still keeps going. That's how long this rope is, all right? And this rope is also uh, representing a timeline of your existence. And this red part here in the very beginning here, this small tiny part, represents your life here on earth. The amount of years that you'll be living here on earth. And afterwards is eternity. Okay? So this is your timeline, and this is how long you live for on earth. Now, what so many of us do, all that we do, is that sometimes, you know, we, we were born, and we go to school, and we work really hard, we study really hard, and we work really, really hard to try to save a lot of money, so later on, at the end, we can enjoy and spend all that money. And we work hard so that we can plan to travel later on here, or to fulfill our plans here. And all that we think about is this red part. It's a life here on earth. And so often, we lose sight of eternity. We lose sight of all the time that will be spent afterwards, our life here on earth. You see, we become so concerned about this world, about this life, that we forget what happens afterwards when we die. We become so, so concerned with the physical that we lose sight of the spiritual. We become so worried about the present that we forget about the eternity. See, the part that gets me the most is that the Bible teaches us that what we do and how we live our life here in this red part on this earth determines how we live for the rest of eternity. Instead of storing up our treasures here on earth where rust can get to, where moths can get to, where thieves can take, we should store up our treasures and invest in the things of the kingdom of God instead. We're so short-sighted that we forget about the rest of our life and existence. Now, the difficulty of doing all this is that we can get so easily distracted. As we live in this world, we become so distracted and entwined with all the temptations, with all the worries, the anxieties, that it's easy for us to start living a life of just worldly goals and worldly desires. And so striving to live a life that's more God-seeking, we end up living a life that is more self-seeking. You see, the true an abundant life does not come through worldly possessions, but can only be given to us through a life that's aligned with God's will. In John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way that we can even enter into eternity in heaven and be with God forever and ever. But the way and how we live our life today with our life matters too. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up. So, uh, I share with you a couple more verses that Paul shares with us. I think Paul gets it right when he writes the following verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verses 16 to 18. Paul writes, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly 
we are being renewed day by day. For our life and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. It's what we see. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, Paul says he knows that as Christians, when we try to live a life for God, that when we try to live a life that's separated from all the worldly temptations and desires, you know, there will be some trouble, there will be difficulty. But when we see and set our eyes on the rest of eternity, instead of on the white part there, we realize that the glory and the way that we live our life for God far outweighs the small red fire. Far outweighs what the world tells us, what it lies, its deceptions, the way that's trying to tell us, pull us away from the life that God wants to live. You see, the greatest tragedy of the farmer's death it's not that he can leave behind his unfulfilled plans or his wealth or his money. But the greatest tragedy is what lays before him in eternity. When you and I finally stand before God, when we finally meet him, will we be proud or ashamed of how we live our life on earth? Will we be to tell him that we use all our resources, our time, our money, our energy, for his glory and to serve him and to help those in need and to serve those who are poor or to use it all for ourselves and for our own desires and if the answer is no that just might be the biggest regret that could last for eternity. we have only one chance to live a life here on earth and it can end any moment to be reminded by this terrible sin so may us, may we, as a church, as brothers and sisters, as a community, as a family, just continue to keep each other accountable of how we should live our life. To live a life for God, not the world. Let's pray. Father, we know how hard it is as we live here on earth as human beings. In the midst of all the darkness, all the temptation, we just struggle so much in life as we try to live a life that's aligned to your will. So Father, we ask that you give us the strength to set our eyes into the future, to the eternity, to things that are eternal, to your kingdom, and we are with you forever. Lord, help us to fight all the temptations, of this world. And Lord, you know how often we fall and how often we fail. So here we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your commanding forgiveness. May just open up hearts today as we go home, that you'll speak to us and help us live a life that you want to hear. May you pray.